When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. Hi, and welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast. Uh, I'm Dennis Duran. My guest today for episode one is most appropriately in so many ways that will become evident as this conversation proceeds, Steve Farber. Steve is the founder of the Extreme Leadership Institute. He's a highly regarded author and expert on leadership and has written several books, most recently a book that makes a compelling case for acknowledging that love is damn good business. What a great title for a book, and it is. His body of work has not only informed and educated us about leadership, but inspired many people in many parts of society. He certainly influenced me. I met Steve over 10 years ago when, while in a position of responsibility in an industry association in the construction industry, I had the opportunity to recommend that he be invited to keynote a conference of that association. That appearance happened just a few months after I was walking through an airport concourse and saw a book on a bookshelf in one of the bookstores propped up with its title, Jumping Off the Shelf that book entitled The Radical Leap. The book's title interested me, so I went over, picked it up, and I started thumbing through the pages. The book satisfied my requirements, large type and not a lot of pages. I bought the book, read the book, and the rest is a story that gets added to every day. I've come to regard Steve as not only a brilliant expert on leadership and, and love and business, but my mentor and my great friend. Boy, that was a kind of serious introduction there, Steve, wasn't it? Was that too serious? It was serious, I, uh, but, but lovely. Thank you for those nice words, Dennis. Okay, let's, let's edit all that out. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you're, if you're listening to this podcast and listening to me for the first time, look forward to my frail attempts at humor, not only with Steve Farber, with, uh, with all of my guests, because uh, I do actually believe that humor is a, an appropriate ingredient in building relationships. So, Steve... This is my first podcast. But not your first rodeo, as they say. I mean, you've done some great, great work with uh, webinars and having all kinds of guests and interviews and panel discussions and all of that. So, uh, yeah, your first podcast, but you're, you're, you've got great experience in this arena. Well, uh, well, thank you for reminding me. I've forgotten all those things. So it's a function of your age. And, well, and we know that. Although I, I will say that my hair cutter uh, just today. Uh, so as, uh, as you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you can't see I've got a really nicely coiffed head. Uh, my hair cutter <laughs> chose to try to guess my age, and she and her number was uh, fifty nine. Wow, she is really, really bad at this. Yes, she is. And I told her just just keep on cutting the hair, and don't be That's guessing right. people's ages. Big tip in that one. Yeah. So, Steve, as, as as you know well, you know I've for a number of years of of carried the message about the importance of not just what you what you do for your job or for whatever you're engaged in, but but how you do it, which which addresses your behaviors, your attributes, uh, kind of the answers to the question how you are with people as you're going about your business or other interactions. Uh, and I've been carrying that message for a while, and I will continue to carry that. Um, you amp it up quite a bit. 
in the sense that uh, you you brought into into conversation something which needs to be talked about every day and just in general in society, but certainly in business. And that is the role of love in business. Uh, your your book, and I, I don't mind being complimentary because I, I, I do believe this, your book is was a, another brilliant uh, addition to your body of work. Uh, and it, it, uh, it helped hopefully people that uh, are persuadable uh, to come to a strong uh, understanding of, of what it's all about. And as you and as you'll say yourself, uh, not the mushy gushy stuff. Um, the notion of of leaders in particular uh, being able to generate an incredible amount of energy uh, in order to uh, motivate and inspire the people they lead is pretty fundamental stuff to people like you and I. Let's let's start with talking about love some more. And again, if somebody's tuning in to, and listening to me for the first time, hasn't read a book or anything, they might they might say, "Oh, click. That's enough of that." But to me, it's where it all begins in terms of, of the critical aspect of being a human being in life and in business. So what about love? Yeah. So I want to start with the last thing you said, which was in life and in business. And I think that kind of phrase, which we all tend to use, the vast majority of us use, points to the, the root of the whole problem with uh, people's response to this love thing in the context of business. In life and in business, if you really pick apart logically what that phrase means, it means that there is a difference between life and business. In life and in business makes no sense because it implies that business is not life. And if business is not life, then what is it? It's it's death, I guess. Are, are you are you are you yelling at me? Are you yelling at me? <laughs> I am yelling at all of us. I'm yelling at myself too. So if if life is not business, then what is it? Death, I suppose. And obviously, that's just not true. Life is life. Some of that life we spend doing business. Some of that life we spend with our friends and family. Some of that life we spend watching TV. But it's all life. So we have we have somehow, as when I say we, I mean the grand we, our, our society, has made this bizarre distinction between business and and personal, between business and and who we are as human beings, as if somehow the the basic fundamentals of humanity should not apply in business because that's a different kind of endeavor. And love, of course, is at the core of all of that. And and our attitude about love in business, again, the general attitude or the assumed attitude is that love has no place in business, is bizarre, really. Because if you think about what we want in our lives as a whole, we want love. We want more love. We want to love our spouse or significant other or partner. We want them to love us. We want to love our kids. We want them to love us. We want to love our friends. We want them to love us. We want it in every aspect and every relationship of our, in our lives. And then we go to work and it no longer applies anymore. It's, it, it doesn't make any sense. So my work has been about fundamentally, I mean, it's about a lot of things, but if you really get it down to the essence, like you said, it's about having people understand that this very fundamental aspect of the human experience, very powerful and fundamental aspect of the human experience in the context of business actually makes for great business. 
or just damn good business, if I could be so presumptuous as to quote myself. Very clever. Very clever. So, thank you. So the, the thing is that, you know, I'm, I'm really, I, I really don't have any interest in persuading anybody about this. I mean, I know, I know it sounds like I'm yelling. <laughs> no, you but, were, in fact, yelling. Yeah. But uh, I have a very sensitive microphone. That's part of it. <laughs> but the, you know, I, um, I don't believe that my job is to convince anybody of anything. And you and I have had this conversation before, Dennis. I, I, I don't think that I and or you or any of us that do this kind of work are in the convincing business. But I'll speak for myself. I'm, I'm in the confirmation business, not the convincing business. And I think, you know, when you when you said a few minutes ago, ah, somebody people hear the word love and they, they we run the risk of them just turning this off right here because they think it's going to be California touchy feely hoo ha crap or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's actually a very small percentage of people. I can't prove that, but that's anecdotally. That's that's what I think. I think that most people really get this, at least on an instinctual level. But they've been conditioned to believe that they, that it's not right, that that somehow, you know, th there, there's something wrong with them by feeling like they should bring love into their work. So the work that I do is about confirming for those folks that, you know, that instinct that you have, it that's the right one. So do something with it. Instead of pushing it aside, you know, do something with it and mm -hmm. see what you can do to, to operationalize that in the way that we do business. Mm -hmm. So Steve, I agree with everything you said, uh, and I don't mind that you yelled at me because I know you weren't really yelling. Um, but and, but you, you used the word in, in relation to, to this, this thing called love, you used the word instinct. And, and I think, you know, as, and, and you're aware of this, but for the audience's purposes, just a reminder that most of my experience and where I've learned about things like soft skills uh, and love and other important things uh, is in the construction industry. And, uh, and we both know that that industry has a, a stigma that it's a male dominated, rough and tumble, kick people in the behind kind of an industry. And in many ways, it, it, it has been and it continues to be. As recently as this past weekend, I spent, I spent the entire weekend with some of these rough and tumble guys. Uh, and when I brought up the term love in an appropriate con context, I got a couple of snickers. And again, so it's, so I think the idea is difficult for a lot of people because if, if they're a guy, that, that, that just isn't part of my vocabulary. Uh, you know, at, maybe at home, if things are going real well or the kids are behaving themselves, but you know, work, you know, I, 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 I'm not comfortable with that. Because it to, to them it feels like what it is. You call it an instinct, and I agree with that term. But I would also say, you know, love is 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 a is a is a deep form, a uh, highly energized form of emotion. Uh, you know, so now we're getting into the the human being who is the sum of what he what what he does or how he exists in terms of job and family and those kinds of things, just from a managerial standpoint or a doing standpoint, and being an emotional human being, having feelings, in other words. Love is a feeling in kind of the broader sense. And again, I don't think you disagree with any of this, but it's, it, that's what I kind of seem like, uh, I seem to encounter is this, all right, yeah, I, I, you know, I get it. That's fine. I, I also agree that probably a relatively small number of people really do resist the notion that there's any linkage at all between love and the workplace. Then it raises the question, is there is there some concern or fear on their part to be a person that, that talks about, you know, 
we love what we do here at this company. I know all of you love this. I'm your boss, and I I I love what you do. I love our I love our customers. I love everything. You know, on and on and on. But they're kind of in the back of their mind saying, "Are they buying this? Are they buying this?" And then you talk very very correctly about the fact that ultimately, at the end of the day, it all ends up, ends up producing a result. You know, so again, you didn't come up with radical leap uh, for reasons that are you know purely radical, uh, which they're not. But but there's there's a there's a connection obviously be, among all the three four pillars of your leadership. Which I'd like you to talk about your four pillars of leadership, which is what your leap acronym is, and then kind of respond or add to anything that I've said. First of all, to be clear, love in this context. Yes, it's emotional. It's a deep part of who we are. But I'm not talking about love as a sentiment. I'm talking about love as a practice and a discipline. People need to understand that. So, yes, there's going to be a knee-jerk reaction from a lot of people. It's like that concern, like, oh, he's going to, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to, you know, kiss everybody at work and <laughs> say, I love you, man, I love you, man, all day long. No, it's not. And it's not about saying the word. It's not about telling everybody that you love them when, mm. in essence, you don't. You know, uh, the words are easy to say. For some people, it's difficult, but it's easier than creating the experience of love. So this is about creating an experience that people love being a part of. And that's just, again, damn good business. So, for example, if I'm if I'm running a construction outfit, my customer, this is the, the ideal that I should have. My customer should love what I do for them. If they don't love the, the, the quality of the work that we provide, the way that we provide it, the interaction that they have with us, if they don't love all of that, then we don't have a business that is as competitive and viable, as profitable as it could be. That's just basic business. We want our customers or our clients or whatever term you use to love what we do for them because that's where our competitive advantage comes from. That's where the word of mouth comes from. That's where all the growth opportunities come from. And if they don't love doing business with me, they'll find some other place that they love doing business with for the next project they have. So any business person should understand that. That shouldn't be a stretch by now. But then we also have to have to consider, well, how do you make that happen? How do you make that happen? How do you create that experience for customers in a meaningful and sustainable way over time. And what I'm suggesting is that the only way to really do that is to create an environment, an experience that people love working in. Some people like to use the word culture. Some people are get a little bit you know, uh, sensitive to that word for whatever reason. I don't care what you call it. The experience of working there, if I don't love it here, then, you know, the chances of my creating something that our customers are going to love that drops uh, significantly. And then it gets even more personal because as a leader or an owner or a participant in that company, I can't contribute to or create an environment that people love working in unless I love it myself first, love it, love them, love the customer, love the business, love. It all becomes very personal very quickly. Yes, it is emotional. But it's not about being emotional, being just an, an emotional person at the expense of being a logical, rational, uh, critical thinking business person. The two coexist. And to say that they don't is delusional. To say, you know, that old, that old saying, yeah, it's not personal, it's business. You tell me. Tell me that business is not personal. Tell me that when your boss brings you in, uh, you know, one day before Christmas uh, and says you're fired, uh, tell me 
when they say to you, ah, it's not personal, it's just business, you're fired. Mm -hmm. Tell me that that's not, that doesn't feel personal. Business is personal. It is fundamentally a personal thing, no matter what we tell ourselves about it. And there's nothing more personal than than love. So I, I'm I'm going to take my business personally. And if I'm going to take it personally, because I have really no choice in the matter. So if I embrace that, then what what do I want it to be? I want to be personally. I want to I want to be in love with this as best I can. So it becomes very strategic because the the question we got to ask ourselves as business people is. What should love look like in the way that we do business? What are the implications of that for everything from our, our, our um, you know, employee systems, policies, procedures, everything from how we hire to performance appraisals to comp and benefits to wh whatever? All of those things, if we put it through the filter of is, is this something that, that is going to engender an experience of love, then we're on the right track. That doesn't mean that everything is going to fall in line with that. But, mm -hmm. but this is about making, making the standard higher. This is about raising the standards. For example, if you have a brainstorming session with your team, as everybody should, that's something like, hey, let's come up with some ideas as to how we can improve customer service. That's great. Fantastic. Um, but if you ask the question a little bit differently, if you ask it instead by saying something like, how can we better ensure that our customers are going to love doing business with us, love doing business with us? What have you just done there? You've, you've changed the conversation and you've changed it by raising the standards because satisfying somebody and having them love us are, you know, satisfaction is here, love is way up here. And, and that's where we should be striving for. So this isn't about, about you know, compromising our standards. It's about elevating them beyond where we've ever done before. And that's tough and it's difficult and it's challenging. I, go, I know those are all synonyms, but it's all of the above. And so to say that, you know, love is some kind of squishy, touchy feely thing is, is just a complete misunderstanding of what it is. It is really damn hard. And you have to be willing to, uh, you know, let your ego be challenged and, and make yourself uncomfortable to make everything better. That's what mm -hmm. love really feels like in the context of business. So you have a, you have a good, uh, a good uh, case study, if you will, or example that's in, in one of your books that is an engineering firm in, in Seattle, Washington. Tell us a little bit about, about OAC and how they, they become such a, a great example of what you're describing. Yeah. You know, OAC services in Seattle, obviously very tied in with the construction industry and engineers and architects and whatnot. Uh, the people that you don't uh, stereotypically put in the category of, you know, love people, right? Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, we don't, we we think of uh, construction as, you know, uh, steel-toed boots and hard hats and wearing a big steel case around your heart. <laughs> wow. But, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is, and I suspect that you uh, directly and indirectly have had something to do with this, Dennis, because you're the one who invited me in to speak to the construction industry for the first time, however many decades ago, it seems like it was. But I speak quite a bit in the construction industry. I get lots of inquiries uh, through, through the website from people in the construction industry to have me come in and speak. More than any other industry, 
funnily enough. You would think it's like you're very you're very welcome. Thank yeah. you're very welcome. Yeah. So so my point is that it's it's not like hey let's bring somebody in that we think is is full of shit. It's wow this is important. Let's let's hear let's hear what this is you know what this is really about in the construction industry. Now why mm-hmm. is that? Well, um, last I checked, the construction industry, just like the healthcare industry, just like the manufacturing world just like um, uh, any professional services firm, is made up of human beings. Really? I know. It's what all businesses have in common. So it's really funny how we latch onto these stereotypes and apply them to ourselves. Engineers, that's another stereotype. It's like, we don't do that people thing. We're engineers, you know. It's, it's just, and I don't know, there's always going to be some people who are like that, but that doesn't characterize the whole population. So OAC... Is is one of those one of those companies? Uh, Sean Mahoney, the you know the 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 head dude there. I think that's his official title. Uh, first heard me speak at a construction management association conference many years ago, mm-hmm. and and he he described the experience to me later on after I got to know him. That he said I was sitting in the audience and I was listening to to you talk. He said to me, uh, and I felt like you were just talking just to me, like there was nobody else here. It was just you and I having this conversation because I needed to hear this stuff. Um, and then we just got in, you know, got into a conversation. He, he came through our certification program. He sent all the senior folks through our uh, certification where we teach the facilitation of what we call the, you know, the radical leap workshop and extreme leadership workshop. And, and event, eventually brought us in my partner, Jenna Lynch to help them uh, incorporate Love, energy, audacity, and proof. So getting back to your previous question about the fundamentals, the pillars of this, and I'll explain those in a sec, but to bring that into the way they do business. And they've had just tremendous results with it. They adopted those things as part of their value set as a company. And, you know, they've won all kinds of awards for best place to work in the in the state of Washington. And, and it just really had a... Um, they're a phenomenal business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like anybody else, uh, like any other human being, um, you know, they've had ups and downs and they've had starts and stops and and they've had people come and go like any other business. But overall, they're a really great example of what happens when you embrace this, not only embrace the idea, but put it into practice in the way that you, that you operate. So love is is the foundation of the whole thing. But the way I like to think about it is love generates energy. Love inspires audacity, which is a bold and blatant disregard for normal constraints. And love ultimately requires proof through through your actions, through the congruence between your words and your actions, and through the results that you get. So love, energy, audacity, and proof is the You can think of it as a framework. You can think of it as an operating system instead of pillars or whatever. It's, it's really the, 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 at the core of anything that we're trying to do. If you think of anything, whether it's a strategic initiative or a set of values that you have or a project that you're working on, think of it this way. If you could cultivate the love for that thing, whatever it is, generate the energy that it takes to really make that project or thing a success, inspire people to be audacious in the pursuit of that thing and prove that you're making progress along the way, 
whatever it is that you're trying to do, you have a better chance of getting it done successfully. So it becomes an operating system for, for life, really. And, and, you know, it was born out of my experience in business. So that's, that's where I spend most of my time helping people to apply it. Beautiful. Well said. Um, I'm, I'm wandering out into a different, different part of, uh, I, I, I do want to comment on one thing you said. Um, you talked about that, uh, that our business is comprised of people. And, and, uh, you know, when I talk about this, I, or you said human beings, I refer to them as people. I guess it's pretty much the same thing. But <laughs> one of the things I do in particular, when I actually reminds me of a, of a, of a John Prine, John Prine song where the lyric is some, some humans ain't human. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of like in my book, I said, common sense is not that common, but you know, there you have it. But I, you know, I try when I'm, when I'm talking to construction folks in particular, which I talk to a lot, I try to I try to draw them into an to understanding that uh, that fundamentally, yeah, you know, you, you're people, I'm people, our customers are people. You know, we're really in the people business. Uh, our, our, we serve our customers, uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's a delivery of product or a service. We're all in the service business, serving people. Uh, and so it doesn't really matter what industry vertical you're in. That's fundamentally what's all what it's all about. And if you want to be successful in serving people, you got to let them know things like the fact that you that you're paying attention to them when they have a, a question or a complaint that you care about them, um, and which are all again emotions. But and I and I and I'm, I'm I think your way of, of adjusting my view of that I think was is helpful to me. I'll do a better job of explaining it going forward, and it made sense to me as well. But so let, so we're now we're out in, in we're we're away from work, and you know we're we're now. We're now on some some place after some big thing that happened to all of us that, that they they called a pandemic, um, and regardless whether people believed anything about it was real or not, that part didn't matter. Uh, every every person was affected, uh, whether they whether they accounted for it or not, and how they viewed their lives, and then other things were happening uh, that just involve people and relationships. And they're under the topic matter of, of two things, which were important for me to have dialogue about during my summit, and that is inclusion and social justice. And so, if, and I'd like you to, I'd like you to just kind of talk about how, what what the good sense is, and the importance uh, is of recognizing that uh, that radical leadership. Uh, applies to dealing in places like talking about and fostering inclusion or dealing with social justice and not seeing people uh, lose their lives on television, et cetera, et cetera. So what are your thoughts about all that? Yeah. If, if you really have come from a place, and I, and I believe I do personally, where you have a genuine, authentic, is the word we like to use nowadays, love of people, then your bias would be, we tend to think of bias as, as a negative thing, right? Like an unconscious bias against somebody. Your bias would naturally be more along the lines of, let me bring in as many different kinds of people as possible into this business and into this conversation. And let, let me strive to create an environment that's going to be nourishing and fulfilling and challenging to everybody. 
So in other words, real love is, in, is inclusive. It's not exclusive. And, and it's acknowledging that, that people have different challenges by virtue of where they grew up, how they grew up, uh, the, the color of their skin. There's so, there's so, many, so many things that, that work in this world to separate us on the basis of our differences. That it's not about denying that those things exist. They do. But, but in, order to, in order to transcend or rise above that, we have to go out of our way to go beyond our own implicit bias that may be there that we're maybe not even fully aware of and become more aware of them. So we can take uh, make the effort to work beyond those. And so if I can, if I can just really come from that place of, I, I love human beings or people, I'll accept either term, <laughs> then can I create a company or a team or a project that's going to, that's going to honor and include as many different kinds of people as possible. And I know it's not as, it, it, it sounds like it, it makes it all very simple. And again, it's challenging, but, but to me, it comes down to uh, in, inclusivity, social justice, et cetera, are, are expressions of real love, not just love for me and mine, not just love for, for, for what I'm comfortable with, but love for, for human beings at their core and, and open ourselves up to an opportunity of learning incredible things from people who, um, who have just a very different life experience from our own. What a, what a great gift that is if we could do that. I know you're involved in some, some other activities. You're, you're involved in a, in a very interesting initiative in San Diego that you've talked about a little bit. Talk to us about that and, and relate that to what we're talking about here, because I think it does relate. Yeah, thank you for asking. The Community Alliance for Youth Success, otherwise known as CAES, uh, was founded originally by uh, Stedman Graham of uh, Oprah fame, Stedman Graham and Bobby DePorter, who's kind of a legend in the field of education. And the idea behind K's started out as let's bring together um, people in the community who are passionate about uh, helping kids be successful and grow up to have lives of success and, and meaning and purpose. So I got involved in this maybe about 10 years ago, and it started, it's a very organic kind of a thing, the way it started. It's like, hey, let's get together, and, and if, we, if we come together with that common desire that we understand that, that the success of our kids is not something we should just lay at the feet of the parents or lay at the feet of the teachers, we all play a role in this, everybody in the community. If, if we really think it through, a community can support our, the community's kids to grow up to be successful. So how do we do that? And that's really the, the question that we started playing around with a decade or so ago. And what it's developed into is we have this, this phenomenal program that we offer to schools, uh, teachers in schools, primarily geared primarily towards the high school age, a program called Discover Your Purpose. And it's designed to help kids in high school 
find out what's really important to them, to help them discover their own purpose, which, as I recall, when I was in high school, I don't remember taking a class in that. <laughs> My purpose in high school was to get the hell out of high school. <laughs> so it's it's really a very powerful thing. It was developed here uh, in, in, in San Diego, uh, originally at Kearney High School. A woman, a, a great teacher by the name of Candace Fee, has, has really dedicated herself to, to not only creating the curriculum, but, but teaching it and teaching other teachers to teach. It's been phenomenal. So people can visit kspurpose.org and you can actually download a, a, free, a free curriculum. So you can, you can begin to work with it yourself, whether you're a teacher or not. It's a really cool thing to go through. It's very helpful for adults as well, because, you know, needless to say, a lot of us who are a little longer in the tooth still haven't discovered our purpose either. But can you imagine if you were given the chance to do that, to, to explore that when you were a kid? So anyway, that's what K's is about. And um, and we, uh, you know, we hope to scale and expand this thing uh, around the world. And we've been we've been very kind of uh, patient with it, but it's it's coming together. And uh, Stedman, Stedman is a real pleasure to work with. Just uh, obviously a guy who's who is um, what's the word? Uh, I want to say well connected. Yeah, that's a word. <laughs> I think he's met every every significant human being, every historically significant human being on the planet. Every human being is significant, of course, but you know people that are well known. <laughs> uh, and and you would never know it. You would never know it to 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 talk with him. He's he's very uh, very humble and gracious, and he's devoted a lot of his time and energy to this project with really no expectation of any return. And uh, I'm just uh, really honored to be a part of it. And they're benefiting from your vision as well, without a doubt. So your your leap, you know, I call it the pillars. You call it would call it a framework and call it an operating system. All three of those apply, and uh, and the sum of all those things just talk about what a what a what a simple, direct, profound, and valuable framework it is. You know, as I you know you know it, it just when you talk about it, just imagine if we'd gone through a K's uh, Discover Your Purpose program in high school. Uh, you know, I, I agree with your sentiment, and I was in high school a few years before you were. Uh, in fact, the schools weren't that high. They were lower uh, back when I was in school. It was a low school, not a high school. <laughs> but uh, And yes, there it is again, uh, in an inappropriate, humorous comment uh, spoken by the host. But I, I, you know, I think that you, know, you talk about in business, and, and I agree with the way you phrase it, obviously, because it makes total sense, operationalizing uh, your principles, starting with love. Um, how, how do leaders, and, and maybe Kay's is a great example, um, but how, how do leaders operationalize love in, in human relations? How do they operationalize love and, and uh, bridging uh, the, the, uh, the chasm between uh, the community population and, and police? And I want to be careful. I don't want to get into a political thing about there's no need to talk politics, but we do need to talk human relations. Uh, so how, how do we operationalize love and whose responsibility is it? Yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's an interesting question. It's a provocative question. And, and I'll say that my focus, quite intentionally, has been on business. Has been on how do we operationalize it in the context of business. 
So the community around our business, the people in our business, the customers in our business, versus another direction that I could have gone, which is more on the political, you know, broader social arena, which is a, a really important question. But I chose to focus on business, and I still choose to focus on business for a couple of reasons. One is, uh, I feel that I, I have earned the credibility to speak on that subject because I've been doing it for now for over 30 years. Uh, but more important, I, I believe that business can be a source of change for the world because in business, we can create an example of what love looks like in an environment where people can potentially have nothing in common other than they're coming to work at the same place. So you and I can be sitting down together in a meeting at work and you're on one end of the political spectrum and I'm on the other. Or you come from one ethnic background and I come from another. And we can focus together on, on the, based on the values of the company that we all work for and the mission that we're trying to implement or the project that we're trying to get done for our customers and, and do incredible work and enjoy each other and learn about each other and, and love each other in that process. And then we go home, we go back into our communities, and it's a, a different dynamic potentially. Right. Mm -hmm. So I believe that that we can set an example in business for what the rest of the world can be like. Mm -hmm. And I know that I that I can make a difference there. And and I, I know this because I, I, I have and my body of work has made a difference for a lot of people in their businesses. So I believe I just have to believe that, you know, if you look at even in these economically challenging times and inflation and all that. You know, the unemployment rate is is incredibly low, which, mm -hmm. which says to me that the vast majority of us are going to work somewhere. Mm -hmm. Could yeah. be a small company, could be a big company, but we all go to work somewhere. Mm -hmm. So if we can change the experience and the expectation of what it means to go to work, we fundamentally can change everything. So that's why I choose to focus there. And, you know, if I'm brought in, if, if I was brought in as a consultant to, to, you know, help heal the wounds in a community between, uh, you know, let's say, you know, the African-American community and the police in their community, if it, I, I think that I would, maybe I'm, I'm underestimating myself. I don't know. I think I'd be out of my league there. And, and I, I would, I'd be more of a, of a, of a student and a, and a, an observer than a facilitator. I think, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I haven't, I haven't been invited to do that, mm -hmm. but in business, I know I can make a difference there. And mm -hmm. I, and I got to believe that through that difference, there can be an influence on the community because the people who are, who are more adept at that sort of dynamic can take the lessons that we're creating in business and apply it there in a ways, in ways much better than I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think that's, I think that's a, a brilliant and a sensible way for you to, to respond to that question. You know, if you think about having an impact on business uh, and, and operationalizing your, 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 your four pillars in business, uh, the, the spillover effect can be that instead of going home at the end of the day and complaining about what a shitty place it is to work, 
you go home and you talk about you know, it was a good day at work. We had we had problems, we had a crisis, we had an emergency, but but we got it worked out. Or or Joe, who's just been with the company for three months, uh, very bright young uh, immigrant, you know, has just gotten promoted into a new position, and right. everybody's really happy for him. So I, you know, so I think you're, uh, you know, again, it's another reason why I, I, I hold you in such high regard and respect is, is uh, you deal with this, uh, with this body of knowledge in such a sensible, practical, and usable way. And I think that's, I think that's why people listen to you. So Steve, we're at the end of our time together. You know? What? Well, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, I, I it's, you know, I, 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 I mean, they're going to tell me to stop talking. <laughs> Um, but again, I've, 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 I've told you to stop talking many times over the years. Well, I know, I know. And, and it's going to be challenging and figure out what of these last 20 seconds are going to edit out because <laughs> it's arguable that it's, it's all, but let me just, you know, just, uh, I just, on a serious note, simply say that, that, uh, uh, that uh, I know anybody has the opportunity to listen to this conversation, uh, will, uh, will leave it, uh, a better person, uh, just for learning some more things through, uh, through your words. So I thank you for that. I also think that um, uh, that you know one of the most uh, significant uh, aspects of human relations uh, is just demonstrating that we appreciate each other, and I appreciate you tremendously. So I, I thank you for your time. I thank you for your wisdom. Hope to see you again. Well, thank you for saying that, Dennis. And and for the record, I appreciate you too. But more than that, I love you. And congratulations. And I love you right back, pal. And congratulations you know. on 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 getting the podcast going. I know it's going to be a, a a great journey, not not just for you, but you know more importantly for your listeners. Uh, so thank you for that. Thank you very much, Steve. Take care, my friend. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel Podcast with your host Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Softest Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.